0: We never know where life will lead us or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark, it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind.
1: doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got. Brainy. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey,
2: as a matter of fact, moving
0: forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL.
3: Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I will be very careful with slinging stuff. Am I gonna get sued? We got legal on this. I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. It's draft season, so the obvious next step is mock draft season. That's what today's show is going to be. Mock draft, straight in again. You've
1: you've startled me once again with your cold (laughs) open.
3: (laughs) Today, we are going to be breaking down Mel Kuyper's mock draft. The godfather, the man with the best hairdo in the business. That's where you start, right?
1: You're not the one with the best hairdo in the business. I don't have a hairdo anymore. That's right. That's right.
3: I am no longer possessing of a hairdo. The hair is gone, therefore the do is gone. That's right. Um, but Kuyper's still there. Almost. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I think the most consistent and best hairdo in the business over the last several decades belongs to Howie Long. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. Who has had the same flat top haircut yeah. since the early 80s.
1: You know, and and it's like easy to... Um the, the the maintenance is very easy on a haircut like that. Uh-huh. Um, you can't tell whether he's gone bald or not. It's just because like,
3: <laughs> it's so short. Like like I don't know. Like but that feels like one where if you if you've had a flat top for almost forty years at this point, you're now you can't you're stuck with it forever. You can't ever change that. Forty years with the same flat top haircut. You can't decide like tomorrow we're going to go with like you know something totally different but even kuiper like if cutter
1: kuiper uh cut his hair short we'd have a problem yes It'd yeah he's massive, stuck with it as well
3: be a but I guess massive problem in, in, with NFL his circles. one where it's just the sort of swept back quaff thing <sighs> you could you know you could play around with some partings or whatever you could change and that he, but he bit. hasn't though. no i know but you could whereas uh, with howie uh, long no, you there's anything, nowhere to though. go from the flat top like you're no, no, stuck you to wait
1: you gotta wait till. the Pushes and and at this point in his he's an old man
3: so that's what like, I'm saying like you're you're stuck with it that's that's a rough spot I mean, that's it. like Steve with the thing like whatever that is is that a pompadour is I that mean what it is? I think Jerry Eric girls? Eric used to call it the full Jerry or the was it the full Jerry the yeah the Jerry girl I mean again you're kind of stuck with it there's nowhere to go he
1: yeah if he cuts
3: his hair PFF would have to fire him <laughs> like that would be the, the funny thing is like he thinks. That like oh I couldn't I'd look weird with short hair but there was one point where he came back with one of the most ridiculous haircuts I've ever seen like he went to some new person that ha- isn't experienced with the full Jerry and did something like Shirley Temple to his hair and at one like Rick did up this Photoshop mock of him with just short normal hair and it's like you actually look normal like you've boxed yourself into this world where you think you're stuck with that, but if you just had a normal haircut, you would be fine and nobody would think anything different.
1: All of the money that we get from subscriptions, from ad revenue for these shows, uh-huh. they go towards photoshopping us with different hairstyles. You
3: would be amazed the feedback we get on haircut discussions from this podcast. Speaking of feedback, NFL podcast at pff.com. You complained yesterday yeah. that there had been no feedback. About dinosaurs, about your questions about dinosaurs. So somebody emailed us in. Did you, what was the guy's email address? Or email, nay, the name. Who's sending it? Uh, The dinosaurs. Dinosaur question. There we go. Philly Joe sent us an email asking, could we get players in the Super Bowl to dinosaurs comp segment? And you've actually done this. Yeah, this took
1: me a a long time. Yeah. I've been spending, since the end of last show. Right. That's all I've been doing. So we're actually doing this. Yeah, we're doing it. Okay, and so. the first one is—I don't. Know, the first one isn't even a. Di- there's actually two non-dinosaurs on here, but
3: yeah, this cool. seems. I mean, look, just looking at the the names and and dinosaurs here, mm-hmm. this feels very lazy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, are these just the dinosaurs you can remember from Jurassic They're, Park? Well, or, so I did this
1: on purpose. These are all just. or you kept in- one. They're all Jurassic Park dinosaurs so because kept it, like, these are the dinosaurs that we know like collectively.
3: So you've kept it uh, accessible for people that very don't accessible. have a deep dinosaur
1: experience. Uh, we have, I think we have six of
3: them. Okay. Uh,
1: very accessible.
3: Go on, man. Seven of them actually. What have you got?
1: All right, so the first one, not a dinosaur. Yes. To start off right, right off the bat. So immediately we've,
3: we've been this thing as a concept. <laughs> Chris Jones. Right. The Megalodon. The Megalodon. As
1: you can see here, the biggest, uh, <laughs> second biggest, um, like sea-dwelling creature of all time,
3: the blue okay. whale. The blue whale.
1: The blue whale is the that we currently have.
3: It feels like the blue whale would get messed up by a megalodon. Yeah,
1: it can't compete with a megalodon. Right. And the reason why the blue the blue whale became as big as it is and it still is is because the megalodon went extinct. Okay. So the megalodon is like three times the size of the great white shark.
3: Yeah. So okay, so Chris Jones, is the Megalodon. Mega For people mega mega. listening, you probably want to check out the YouTube because there's graphics attached to this. Um, all right, who's next? Uh, Devonta Smith, Velociraptor has to be. Does it though? Well, see, because... here's the thing. Here's where I'm gonna. Here's where I'm gonna expose your quite clearly surface level understanding of dinosaurs, right? Because the Velociraptor was not the same size as it was in Jurassic Park. The Velociraptor was like this little chicken-sized thing. What they actually did was essentially steal, I think something called a Deinonychus or something, which is the Velociraptor-sized thing. And they were like, well, we'll just call that, nobody knows how to pronounce Deinonychus or whatever it is. So we'll call it a raptor and we'll use that. They found so, something in Utah called the Utah Raptor after the movies came out. That okay. is
1: probably closer to the Velociraptor that they
3: that so they we, use in the movies. So your actual, you think that Devonte Smith is actually a Deinonychus or a Utah Raptor yes. rather than a Velociraptor? Right, but we want it to be as small and thin as he is. He's not chicken sized. No, he's not. He doesn't have feathers either. Also true. Okay. Yeah, that
1: was the thing. They they gave it feathers and then anyways. Yeah. All right. Who's next? All right. Next is uh, Javon Hargrave. Yes. The t-rex now i understand the t-rex apex predator maybe javon hargrave not the best player on on the it's eagles defense or in page. the game however javon hargrave has 18th percentile arm length stumpy little arms stumpy little arms just like the t-rex and uh, javon hargrave uh 18 percent pass pass rush win rate this year which very is high. very high so having a great year so maybe he is the apex predator
3: Okay. What did Next. we say? Uh, yeah. Hutchinson's percentile was for arm length. That it was, was like really eleven. Long, I Yeah, think. yeah. really.
1: Hutchinson. If this is, I would have put Hutchinson if this right. was. All right. Next up. All right, AJ Brown is the. Uh, I can't even pronounce it. Terra. Tyrannodon. Pteranodon. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tyrannodon. <laughs> <laughs> the wingspan. Uh-huh. Everything. I think this wingspan flies down the field. Yeah. Okay. Um, flies down the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this there is this is uh, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> okay. Next. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh huh, Dilophosaurus.
3: That's the, the one with the venom, spitting. Yeah, hey. the spitting because okay. he's
1: you know he's a trash talker. He spits venom. I get it. Okay. So here's the issue with the Dilophosaurus from the movie. Yeah. It, evolutionarily speaking. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't. You wouldn't both have the frills and the venom. You would only need one defense mechanism. Okay. So the frills is is a defense mechanism. Is it? Potentially, it could be a, a, a sexual mating call. Right, <laughs> and and the spitting is definitely a defense mechanism. Yeah. So you w- you would only need one, and they believe it's just the frills that Diloph- Dilophosaurus has, and it's bigger than it is in the movie. That's one of the things that they that like unlike they the shrunk. Velociraptor, they shrunk it down. Okay, all right, and the last one, the Eagles' offensive line are just okay. a bunch of tri- triceratops collectively. Collectively, okay. I mean, this is just. I mean, look at that. Look at that. Like plate. That it has, like it's you got can't a get very Ryan. good.
3: It's a, it's a that's a well built offensive lineman. Yeah. Like low stance, you know, padding. Yeah, there's a lot to work with there from an offensive line point of view. That's 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 how they found Jordan Mylata, <laughs> <laughs> excavated from some <laughs> like, some desert somewhere that used to be a uh, yeah. used to be like a swamp. Exactly. Okay. Perfect.
1: We got it done. All right. So we're
3: all correct. Like no one, everyone understands what I just did was perfectly scientific. Absolutely. So that's proof that if you send us in absurd emails asking for comparisons of things to other things, we'll do it. We're not. We'll we'll do pretty much anything on this show. Right. (laughs) Almost. So uh, okay, that was that. Um, Again, we're almost there to our. to Our $2,000 goal of the charity drive uh, at my pin tweet at pff underscore sam, and hopefully the uh description of this podcast. Um, we are going to make Steve do rugby skills if and when we make that. I think I've also got us a like an outfit sponsorship for this. I did some cold calling yesterday, and uh, I think we've got one on the hook, so we have a ball and a Steve sized jersey, I think, on the way for this, in addition to. The people, the professional players sending us video of this stuff. So get us over the hump, get us uh, up to our goal, and then we can do our uh, our rugby thing. It'll be a pretty cool video, I think, once we get that done. All right, are we on to the actual show now? That was the actual show. I'm out of here. That was the actual show? Okay. Yeah. Well, before we get into uh, the godfather of mock drafting, Mel Kuyper, <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, the best Sunday in sports, obviously Super Bowl Sunday. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 and 9 Eastern. Uh, to see what prop will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code PFF. New customers can bet five dollars on Super Bowl Fifty Seven and get two hundred in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with new with the code PFF. All right, Mel Kuyper, the mock draft. It started. We got what? This one's from. It's from. It's a little bit old. So January twenty fifth was when Kuiper, I believe, it was his first mock draft went up. Obviously, there's only thirty one picks this year because. Miami, you know, tampered and lost one. Um, Let's start with the top. Number one, Chicago Bears. He went with what you were suggesting yesterday, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. And every time I read a mock draft now, the first thing I need to know is, were you considering trades or do you actually think that the Chicago Bears are going to sit there at number one and use this pick on presumably not a quarterback? And in his first line... He says that he was thinking about trade. So this is like a – he thinks the Bears might actually sit there at number one and take the best defensive player on the board.
1: I I think that the Chicago Bears should come away with Jalen Carter in this draft. Somehow. Somehow, right? Now, is it by – it would be better for them if they could trade back to two or three or whatever and still pick up Jalen Carter, Right. right? That is the goal. But I think it, I, I'm not like mad at them if they sit at one. Like, you would love it. I get it. But I'm not mad at them if they sit at one and take the kind of consensus best player in the draft. I mean, him and Will Anderson. So you would
3: right. rather them sit at one and take Jalen Carter than trade back, get a Hall and miss out on Jalen Carter?
1: Yeah, probably. Because I think, I think at some point you need good. You need like you can't just live in a world where we're like, oh well, we're just gonna keep we're gonna trade back and we're gonna pick up these third round picks and second round picks and and it, it maybe even a pick next year, like a first round pick next year. Yeah. But that would be something different. But at some point, we need good players on our on our football team, right? We can't just live in a world where we're just gonna take a whole bunch of chances. I understand draft is a crapshoot type of situation, but I, I do think we eventually need to go and find good players. And we've talked about this this whole week about defensive linemen being. A uh, 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 quote-unquote solved problem when it comes to college pro projections. We have a pretty good idea that Jalen Carter is going to be a really good pro. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anything can happen, so I, I want them to have Jalen Carter on their roster next year.
3: Sure. I, I mean, I I would be prepared though if I'm Chicago to miss out on Jalen Carter for the greater good because I think they need more than that. Like that the, the good the good thing about the Bears is that they need everything, right? So they're not in a position where it's like, we have to come out of this draft with Jalen Carter. He might be the best individual player in the draft, but if they had to trade down, you know, if the best offer on the table is coming from, you know, nine or whatever, right? And they have to trade basically down outside the top 10 or to the edge of the top 10, and they get a first round pick next year and they get some extra stuff this year, and they they set themselves up really well. And instead at that position, you miss out on Jalen Carter, you miss out on Will Anderson, but you get like the best wide receiver in the draft Plus all that haul, I mean, I think that's a better deal for them because they need so much. No, I mean, like I, I, I understand. I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I
1: just think that, like, I think you do need need elite players somewhere. That's what I keep going back to. It's like you right. need elite players somewhere, and you have a chance to get this elite player like right off the bat. And again, I don't think it's really should be the first overall pick, but I also don't think they should they should trade back all the way like that deep what you're saying like all the way nine. like i'm I'm really maxing out at like three or four so you can go and get a carter or an anderson and then like be be okay
3: yeah i mean i think picking at four like trading with the colts i think is probably the best case scenario for the bears because that i think fits the perfect middle ground of you're probably going to get quite a big haul for that anyway to move back that far and you're you're getting a, basically a guarantee of one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. The the haul from off the top of my head from the Jets to the Colts for Darnold right.
1: that year. It's a massive haul and it was yeah. only three picks
3: different, I right. believe. So I think that's like the best yeah. sort of compromise of you're, you're trading back, you're getting something, you can probably get a first round pick next year. And because Houston is picking a two, you're almost certain yeah. to get one of those two defensive guys so you don't have to even compromise on who you're going to end up at the end of it all.
1: Are you entertaining the Bears taking a quarterback at all?
3: I mean, I think they have to We had this, like, this was a discussion on Twitter yesterday. Greg Gabriel (laughs) it's just like, all you idiots, they never even thought about it. And like, well, if they didn't think about it, they're idiots. Like, you have to at least ask the question. And, you know, people were saying, oh, um, Bryce Young, wouldn't hold a candle next to Justin Fields as a prospect when they were coming out. You're like, well, the only way of knowing that is if you ask the question and actually run the thought experiment. Like, the whole point is, if you're a smart organization, you should be checking this kind of stuff out, even if your conclusion is, no, Fields is our guy. We don't think that these guys are anywhere near where he is. We'll move on. But I think they should absolutely be asking that question. I think you stick with Justin Fields. Um, The thing that makes it most tricky to me is, The fact that not you've burned them but you're two years down of the contract which is arguably the most valuable thing right is the rookie on that rookie deal and you're halfway through that now without really knowing their,
1: their problem is like you know you look at a guy like jalen hurts and you can really picture fields becoming that type of player
3: they just don't have the brust around him at all. Right, I mean that's the right? thing. Like that's you, tough, you man. compromise the evaluation entirely by yeah. what's around him, so that that just muddies the picture. Um, all right, number two, Houston Texans. The first quarterback comes off the board, and it's CJ Stroud from Ohio State, Ohio State, not Bryce Young. You know, you could
1: go with any of these guys. I'm like, I think I'm a Bryce Young guy. But I'm like willing to be okay with not being a Bryce Young guy because of the size.
3: Yeah. But that's it though.
1: Like that's it though. That's it. Cause he everything else he's a magician, he's electric, he's a playmaker, he does everything. He's just like he would be like the smallest quarterback right. taken so like, in so long.
3: Full disclosure here, you know, Mike Renner has been Mike Renner does the draft. 24 seven all, all 365 days of the year trev is in it the whole time you and i and steve come to the draft way later than that we're, we're in the nfl and then we get to the draft once the sort of season starts to wind down so this is a much more surface level thing we got plenty of time to get into the the players in their entirety when i saw this i hadn't even watched a lot of cj stroud and i, I went and watched him yesterday specifically after seeing that Kuiper had him as the first quarterback off the board. Because I was like, all right, I've gone through. I've watched Bryce Young. I've watched Levis. I've watched Richardson. I haven't seen a lot of Stroud. So let's go through. And I'm like, I I can't really see how you can take Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. Other than literally saying, I can't draft a guy that size. That's it. That's, that, but that's, that's it.
1: That's 100% it. Because he's get, not the playmaker. I mean, he, he, the Georgia game illuminated me a little bit to the playmaking ability. But doesn't that legs. also
3: like terrify you a little bit? It's like... The Georgia game, CJ Stroud was incredible in the Georgia game, and incredible at all the things people said he said he say he's not good at. Mm-hmm. Which, on the one hand, it's like great if he can do that against the best defense in, in the nation. You like, can do that at the next level. On the other hand, if he only really did it once and it just happened that it was in the most like yeah. spectacular situation and the hardest assignment, that's kind of worrying to me.
1: I just, I, 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 I know you're not supposed to scout the the helmet logo. Mm. Uh, that's a dumb cliche, but like, people say it all the time. I I find it hard after watching Justin Fields to look at C.J. Stroud playing the same offense. I hate this offense. I hate great it so much. Great receivers, great offensive line. They throw the ball down the field because they just can. They can right. protect it, and they can get open down the field all the time. Uh, it's hard for me to look at because it's funny because we look at, you know, if we look at a guy like Hendon Hooker coming out from the Tennessee offense and Josh Heupel's offense, and that's like pretty fake. Like none of that stuff translates to the NFL. Okay. It just go balls down the sideline. Right. Does not translate to the NFL. And we look at this and we see all these like great throws, like, oh, you're splitting the safeties on like a seam ball. And it's all really good. And it's like Justin Fields did the same thing. And he looked the exact same way. And then it's like, well, once you get into the NFL, it's like, can you do that consistently? And these windows are just so much smaller. Like the, the type of throws exist in the NFL, just the windows are so much smaller and the protection is not as good. And that's, I think, what scares me about the Ohio State offense. It's yeah. like a real offense, but then it's like, then I'm just like, okay, well, is there any real offense in college football that can right. translate?
3: It's so where I think the helmet scouting or the same school scouting thing, I think there's some validity to it is, like when the offense is the same and you have sort of seen things from that offense moving to the next level that cause you concern, I think it's valid. like. When Justin Fields is coming out, I hated watching his tape because you're like, this is not, like, we're so far away from what this is going to look like in the NFL. Like his entire tape was basically drop back, stare down a target, yeah. wait till he's open, and then fire the ball, pinpoint yeah. to his hands. You're like, okay, that's fine, but that's not an NFL offense. And it's so far away from what he's going to need to do in an NFL offense, it's very difficult to projected forward and Stroud it's the same kind of thing it's like okay this is fine it's working great but this is not applicable generally to what he's going to be doing at the next level and all of his best throws are the same it's I have one-on-one I'm going to drop the ball into a bucket 40 yards downfield yeah which again it's just the number of times where you have that throw available to you in the NFL is minimal yeah. so if all of your best stuff is that and the question marks are all much more surrounding like routine down-to-down quarterback processing problems, now we're raising some pretty big red flags. I also think it's hard to look at
1: two specific examples as the Alabama's offense over the last four years and Ohio State's offense over the last four years again, the receiver talent. It's hard to overlook
3: the receiver talent, man. Like those guys, like four deep, I mean, just every the, talent, year. the talent disparity across the board. Like Alabama runs concepts that you couldn't even dream about running in the NFL. Yeah, it's they, just like a, every would be concept dead is after... a deep
1: crossing concept and like they're running with like five-man protection. It's like, all right, well,
3: right. that's... It's like that play would be dead after two <laughs> yeah. seconds in the NFL. Yeah. It, you can't run that. And yeah. they
1: run it all the time. It's yes. not like you can get away with it like once in a while in the NFL yeah. if you, you set it up right, but like... And we have
3: talked before about the difference between like Alabama Open and NFL Open. Like it's a different picture. Yeah. A quarterback coming from that system has to completely rewire what they're looking at because it's not it's not the same at all. It's a different it, world. But Houston is definitely quarterback, though. I, like, yeah, it has to be. Has to be.
1: It has to be D'Amico saying this is my guy. You know, what I mean, we're going to start this franchise. You know, we're going to rebuild this franchise with a quarterback. That's it.
3: Interestingly, Kuyper has Stroud behind Will Levis in his rankings, um, and I think I'm with him.
1: Oh yeah, but I don't really understand that. Like, what what is the what is a fit, like you don't, especially with the Texans who have like so many, like, like a blank canvas of players on our team. It's like- I mean, I'm starting
3: to come to the, like if you can get past the size thing, I think Bryce Young is the clear number one quarterback in this class. Yeah. If you can't, I think I would rather take the chance on Levis than Stroud, given what I've seen from the two of them. Um, and I, I'm less keen on Richardson yeah. conceptually than any of those guys. Number three, Arizona Cardinals, Will Anderson.
1: The Arizona Cardinals still don't have a head coach.
3: True. Yeah,
1: it's been it's been. Someone said uh, I saw a tweet yesterday, and they're not
3: alone in that. By the way, like there's a few teams still out there digging.
1: It's I think Cardinals and Colts are the only two, but the Colts. So the difference between the Colts and the Cardinals is
3: like, well, they're just killing time until higher Yeah, they're killing Saturday. time,
1: but they're they're putting out so they're putting out so many um, uh, news worthy uh, items. Let's say. We're going through interviews with this brand. We're on our third set of interviews, right. blah, blah, blah. Everyone's talking about it. No one's talking about the Cardinals. I did see a tweet yesterday talking about how I think one of the issues, and I don't remember who this is from, but I believe it's from you know, one of these source people um, that no, they're not sure about Kyler's contract. No one, no one wants to go and stick their nose out for Kyler and be attached to Kyler, which I think is ridiculous, but that's kind of where we are with the Cardinals.
3: Yeah, they're in a tough spot because... Murray's not only the contract and whatever you think of Murray generally, but he he got hurt so late in the season yeah. he's gonna be missing for a while. Yeah. Like this is not a, an easy spot to just jump into and have success in year one. So any coach, it, it's a bit like you kinda need the guarantee of you can't hold this year against me, right? Like if we stink, it's not my it's not on me. Like I don't I don't have anything to work with yet.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure they, they do that in no, I know, but like sports anymore.
3: I mean, that's why you need the six year contract, yeah. right? Or whatever. You'd yeah. be like, okay, We'll have the understanding that I won't be blamed for year one, but assuming that that's not how the world works, I need many guaranteed years attached to this. Um, But I think Will Anderson makes a lot of sense for them. Like best pass rusher in the draft or best edge rusher. They need edge. We talked about that uh, on yesterday's show or or Tuesday's show, whenever it was. Um, I mean, that's just a good fit, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this fit. Um, Anderson, again, a consensus best edge rusher. So go get him, right? Like a, this, this is a kind of a no-brainer. Um, obviously, th- they are getting rid of Kyler Murray anytime soon. You get a guy like Jacoby Brissett to come in there hmm. and play Andy Dalton, whatever. And hmm. and then you live with that for eight weeks. Honestly, right. it could be eight weeks. That's what I remember. That was the the, the first case scenario um, when it happened. Could be eight weeks. So, but yeah, anyways, was you. You kind of the defense has been so bad, and it's been pretty bad on the defensive line, especially. In certain areas, edge rusher. So Will Anderson.
3: Um, number four, the Indianapolis Colts get Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. That to me would be like an absolute dream scenario for the Colts. They don't have to trade anywhere. They get to sit at four and get what I think most people would believe to be the best quarterback in the draft. He's
1: just I cannot believe how good he is as a quarterback. Yeah. Like he is so smart. Uh just from a, as a pocket passer, he is so smart. And then he adds that playmaking ability that is kind of like uh, just unique. The way he's able to move around and throw from different arm slots and all that stuff. It's just like, yeah, he's, he's, he's our size. Yeah, like, that's a really problem. Is. I can't play in the NFL.
3: I'm not sure that's why, though. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing to me that jumped out when I was watching Bryce Young is is how good his 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 turnovers are like how how good his low light reel is when you look at like okay what are his biggest mistakes and how like is there something that's consistently happening here that's breaking down and going wrong right and when you look at it it's like half of these plays i almost want to credit him for it's like he's throwing with so much anticipation yeah. that he's seen something that should happen and then put the ball in the air and something Happens deep downfield to prevent that from happening. Like his receiver gets cut off, he falls over—not not fall over—we don't—but like his receiver gets cut off, he doesn't quite make it to where like a DB ends up breaking in front, making the play. But there's sort of he's throw he plays with so much anticipation that it can actually get him into trouble sometimes, which seems like about as good of a negative trade as you could possibly have for a quarterback.
1: He had a, he had an interception against LSU this this year's LSU game where he kind of like. Got out of the pocket. They're on like the five yard line. He got out of the pocket, made an insane play, and then threw the ball kind of around the waist of a defender who was like right in his face. And it got and he threw it a little behind and like got intercepted. But like that shit is like that's that's quarterback at the NFL level. Again, I hope it works out. Like that's that's the thing. It's like I you look at him, you look at the way he plays quarterback, and you're like. I want this guy to be good because yeah. this is super fun. This is he, super entertaining. He's trying should to be entertained be good here. Because yeah.
3: like everything he's good at everything. The yeah. only flaw is the dude is tiny. Yeah. And I mean look, his listed size isn't too bad, but every picture of you of him you see makes him look smaller. Like, you know, when you're standing next to Kyler Murray being made look small, that's not good. Kyler Murray is not only the shortest quarterback in the NFL, but is built like a brick by yeah. comparison. Like if you're going to be small and lightweight, uh, it's just. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I felt you. It felt like we were sort of past this of short quarterbacks and you know hating on them and blah blah blah. But this is extreme. This would be like the one of the shortest quarterbacks and the smallest like, quarterbacks we've what drafted. What this is like time. is the Devontae Smith conversation. It's like we yeah. were kind of past short light or yeah. small lightweight receivers, and then Devonte Smith came along, and it's like, well, you said you didn't care, but what if I put 166 on the table? And then you're like, eh, yeah, that is really small. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, oh, you, you thought you were cool with short quarterbacks? So what if I gave you a short and skinny quarterback? And like, God damn it. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating one to, to watch pan out. Number five, Seattle Seahawks, um, Will Levis. So this is the first one where I,
1: I don't think the position matches what I would do. Okay. Because I think that so you, you would have stick with to Gino. find Gino. I think he did more than enough to show that he has, that this is not a one-year thing. And then it's like, now you're not that far. Like if Gino does the same thing he does this year, you're not that far. If you can go and find, I don't know what it is. Uh, we talked about a, a second edge rusher to pair with uh, uh, Nuosu. There's there's a whole bunch of other positions that they could go go for. Were so, you yeah
3: concerned by like the second half of the year from Gino? I think there's a pretty big correlation when you look
1: at the tackle play in the second half of the season. Yeah, two rookie tackles going through a really good first half of the season, and then not so good second half of the season. And I think you're still excited about those two players. I mean, mm-hmm. they, it seems like they hit on both tackles, Abraham, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross. So I think you're, you're, you're pretty, you feel good going forward. Like, hey, if we can get the tackle play, if you got a protection sorted out, these guys going into year two, uh, then I think we'll be okay so that that is that's my kind of work around for the lower efficiency metrics a lower pff grade in the second half of the season to
3: me it also comes down to like what's the asking price because like if he's coming out of that season going i'm kind of old this is my one shot it's never happening again i need all of the money right now yeah like and if he's putting you know if, if his demands are like top of the market quarterback money or even anything approaching it if you're seattle it's like i mean we have the number five overall pick there's probably a quarterback there. I I don't know that we can do that. You know, we're gonna yeah. need to have some kind of middle tier, middle class quarterback contract here. Otherwise, we, I think we have to be prepared to walk away from that. Yeah, I just
1: I just like my projection of Gino is is that he's he's a top ten quarterback potentially. Like there's a, there's a top ten quarterback in there for sure after we watched this year. So then it's like all right, well we're good there. And like, at 32 years old, like he'll turn 33 in during the middle of the season, that's like young for a quarterback, right? Like you can do give him three, four years and you're not worried about decline yet.
3: Sort of, but then Russell Wilson is like, what, 34? Different.
1: Russell Wilson, very unique quarterback.
3: True, but the more, you know, the, I think the one thing about the sort of, the weird world we're in right now of like, when is a quarterback old is, I think styles play a huge part of this. Yeah. And like Geno, definitely relies on athleticism like if you yeah, take yeah i think he's so much better in the pocket of right now yeah, yeah. Than, than russell
1: and I, so i think that's why again that's why i could if he was 36 maybe different story but at 32 turning 33 like i said i think we're okay with thinking that you have three years with him and again if it's the same level that we saw this year if you can go in and, and then add a top 10 pick at at any position, right, outside of tackle, outside of receiver. I know they're probably going to look for a wide receiver three, but, like, outside of receiver, like, man, you could go and find someone, um, you know, maybe a second corner, maybe a nickel, I don't know, uh, anywhere on the defensive line like we talked about. I mean, the good thing – really, really make this roster look really good next year.
3: The good thing about this pick is it, like, it'll take care of itself before – you know the draft like it's right now it's Levis or Geno will know the answer to that by the yes. time this rolls around yeah. because they're going to have to make a decision on it number six uh, the Detroit Lions so last pick number five was that was the Denver pick for Russell Wilson so Seattle picking in the top five despite having a pretty good year number six is Detroit um, from the Rams that's part of the the trade they made they have uh, or Mel has Detroit picking Tyree Wilson our uh, giant defensive end from Texas Tech that's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, only... So I love Tyree Wilson. Love him. I think he's a... I think he really is a top 10 player in this draft. I Do you, do you need to go edge again? Because Hutchinson has kind of worked out. James Houston.
3: Was really good. Was
1: really good. Now it's like, okay, is he a great, like, uh, maybe first down, second down player? I don't know. So I don't know if they need to go defensive end. But necessarily. also
3: stylistically... It feels like that's kind of, it feels like Wilson is a little bit redundant with Hutchinson. Like, I could see kind of picking a player that you think might upgrade James Houston or like a more surefire James Houston um, as yeah. a compliment. I'm not sure I would go for a player that's so stylistically similar to Hutchinson.
1: But I mean, with that said, as I'm thinking about it, like I'm not mad at the pick at all because I think you 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 need two defensive ends. If James Houston is not an every down player, then you probably do need a second defensive end.
3: Yeah, but but also like Houston was such a surprise because there were like three other young guys that they expected to to man that spot, yeah. and then it's like none of them panned out last year. I don't know that you necessarily rule them all out going forward. For sure, so, I don't know. It, it it's not where I would go if I was sort of searching either position need or like best player in the draft spot i don't think
1: yeah but and then the other the other thing is just like where do you where like the other positions that they need like are there are there top 10 players at that position and ty Reelson is a top 10 player i don't know if there's a linebacker an interior defensive lineman outside of jalen carter a cornerback that like really you would look at and say okay this is a top 10 player this is a guy we we need to take at six right Tyree Wilson is definitely a guy you need to take at six. So I'm I'm, like talking myself into it as we're talking.
3: Hmm. Okay. I don't love that one. I don't love that one. Number seven, Las Vegas Raiders picking Peter Skoronsky, the uh, Northwestern offensive tackle. Widely considered to be the best tackle in the draft. I mean, they need an offensive line.
1: Yeah. The (laughs) the only thing is always going to be like, well, he's going to have to play right tackle because Colton Miller's there. Like their one good offensive lineman plays left tackle. Right. They need offensive line help they've needed offensive line help for a long time mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I mean this is this would be a perfect if you can get him to play right tackle I mean I assume you're not going to move Colton Miller there, but if you get him to play right tackle, I know maybe they move him to guard I hate always hate the guard, the move to guard stuff because I, I just don't know enough but if you if you can move him to to the other side and he's good he's obviously a top ten player so. yeah
3: the move to guard thing is always a weird projection, yeah. and I'm not sure if there is ever that much logic attached to it other than like this guy looks. Shape-wise, like that's, like you that's be playing, always the or the arm length thing, which always annoys me. Particularly when, when you see a player that like stylistically plays like tackle, but he has short arms, and they're immediately saying, "Well, you're a guard." So, well, okay, but if he doesn't play like a guard, he's probably going to be bad, even if he has short arms. Yeah. Like you're not helping him. Um, so that is a weird one. I, I think this pick makes a lot of sense. I would also. I wouldn't hate them going for one of the edge rushers yeah. um, to give a somebody lot of, a lot of needs on that team. Yeah, man. to give them somebody opposite Max Crosby. Who had I mean, a, shit,
1: they could go quarterback. Like, if there's a if there's one of the top four on the board true. at that point, like, or go they're the
3: team. I mean, we had a listener bet that Bryce Young would go number one overall to the Raiders. That the Raiders would trade up to one to get their quarterback. So, Considered. a lot of a lot of ways they could go. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons, Miles Murphy, defensive end from Clemson.
1: Well, like defensive end is a huge need for them. I
3: think anything on defense, yeah, anything on defense. I just think
1: this is a. I don't. I would not pick Miles Murphy in the top ten. I don't think I would pick him in the top twenty, to be honest. So that that to me is just like positional need, hundred percent. You got to pick the right one. I don't think this would be the right one, but I'm willing to be wrong about that. I just the tape is just not. He's like the fourth best defensive lineman on Clemson this
3: year. I've seen a lot of people down on uh, Brian. Brady as well, yeah. the, the defensive tackle from Clemson. No, so. The guy,
1: the guy that that stands out every time you watch Clemson's defensive line is KJ Henry, who's going to go in like the fourth or fifth round or third round or something like that. He's got juice, he's got everything. I, I said it on 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 Wednesday, I think Murphy just no bend, power and explosion, sure, but one move, no bend. Uh, it's just not enough for me.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much anywhere on defense. The Falcons could pick here, like they need. Yeah, anywhere. Their offense actually kind of fun, and it's it's pretty good. Yeah, um, obviously, quarterback is still a bit of a question mark. But
1: I'm th- I'm not even mad if they go quarterback. I, I was I loved uh, Desmond Ritter coming out. He flashed a bit in his like four starts or whatever. Mm. It was bad against in his first two starts, so you're like, okay, it's his first two starts, like, whatever. And then had a good game against the Cardinals, but that's the Cardinals defense, and they right. had a good game against like the backups of the Bucks. So it's like, where are we right now with Desmond again? I loved him, so I'm still sticking yeah. with him, but I could see him go quarterback. As I mean, well. a lot
3: of it depends what the kind of quarterback breakdown looks like because yeah. sitting at number eight, you're kind of within touching distance of quarterbacks that you maybe didn't expect to be could like say it's, it's actually this is one of those sort of pivot points of the draft, which actually always seems to be Atlanta for some reason. Um, but like, there's a bunch of different ways they could go with this pick that I think would make sense. Number nine, Carolina. He has Mel has them selecting Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. I, I
1: you hate to like, we're, we're almost good. We talked about this yesterday, but like taking trades, quarterbacks to take IQ, like we're almost kind of going in the. In the in the opposite way where it's like, okay, well, we're just going to take the guy who is the trades guy, but like hasn't shown really that much at all. Yeah. Malik Willis obviously come, uh, comes to mind. He ends up going not in the first round, right? The third or third. fourth round, third right. round, right? So- I remember you go back a year,
3: people were, I mean- People think it was going to be the number one overall pick. Number Yeah, two to Detroit. Right, exactly. Was talked about a lot, a lot from Malik Willis. And then if it wasn't two, it was Detroit's second pick, 30 or whatever that was. Yeah. Like he was being talked about as- A first round quarterback and like if you're gonna if you're gonna gamble on one of these guys it would be malik willis because of the upside and we talked about it richardson is probably
1: a better put together passer right now than willis was last year but it's still a long way to go i i I do think when i watch richardson it's like he he really wants to in the same way that like we had these wrong ideas about lamar coming out like lamar was like trying his best to be a a pocket passer and yeah. he would only take off when it, like he would exhaust his reads which is not quite that um but he does try he really does try so like i can see that like him like clearly he gets it but like maybe the te- like like he, he, it's not like he, the vision isn't right there yet so like i like him more than i like, definitely like willis but then we're, we're we're just banking on something that he hasn't shown enough of which is like you know, thrown to the right receiver accurately, which is yeah. like a pretty important part of the job.
3: It would be, man, it's an interesting pick for a team like Carolina because you're like, I would imagine a team probably wants to bring Richardson along slowly, and by that I mean not start him for a while. And if you're Carolina, can you get away with that? Like, can you really go into the season selling eight games or a full season of Sam Darnold, knowing that Anthony Richardson is waiting for the for the opportunity? And even if you can. That's kind of like when Blake Bortles was supposed to sit his entire first year and like after three games or whatever, Chad Henney, it was like to hell with this, throw him out there. <laughs> yeah. Like that that feels like what would happen with Sam Darnold. You'd be four games into this and yeah. you'd be like, I can't take any more, put him out. Like, let's go.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're getting the Sam Darnold that we saw the last four games of right. this year. Right. So it's like, yeah, if you take a quarterback, he's probably playing. Unless you unless you really want to go out again, with the same guys we're gonna talk about all the time. It's like Brissett, Dalton you know, uh, Garoppolo or whatever.
3: Number 10, Philadelphia. Another team with a first-round pick, not of their own. Um, team in the Super Bowl, picking the top 10 from the Saints. Uh, Kalijah Kansi. Kansi? Yeah. Uh, defensive tackle from Pitt. This is a guy a lot of people like. Small. Yeah.
1: Undersized mm-hmm. Pitt defensive
3: we, are tackle. Are we ringing bells? Are we, <laughs> we, are we getting flashbacks to whatever it was, 2014?
1: Yeah, I mean... Got moves, great hand usage, can, you know, can string together pass rush moves, can do all that stuff, get off blocks. Again, it's like, well, he's six foot 280, right? So it's like, is that a top 10 player? I think the tape and like the 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 technique is probably a top 10 player, but I don't know if you can do that consistently to guards in the NFL level. If there's only one Aaron Donald, right? Oh, yeah. As, as we know.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know. But thing- but,
1: but I would say like, I, I do like them taking a three technique. Sure. I think that's a. I think that's you pair him next to Jordan Davis going to be there for a long time. They had to go out and find, um, find um uh, the two the two guys they brought in, Dom Sue and Levall Joseph, right, mm-hmm. to kind of beef up the interior. Um, so three tech. Uh, I'm not mad at that at the all. The Eagles
3: are also one of those teams that, like, even if he isn't an every down player, it doesn't matter. Like, they've got that rotation. They want to be seven deep at all times. Yeah. So he would be like replacing the snaps that Milton Williams has where he hasn't really become that guy or if Javon Hargrave leaves and gets paid in the offseason. Like they have a spot for a guy to come in and play 350 snaps as a sort of designated pass rusher as part of that defensive line rotation. And even if he can never become more than that, if he's effective at that, that's fine for them. Now, you can argue, is that worth a top 10 overall pick? Maybe not, but it wouldn't be a bad pick if he became that player.
1: No, no, at all. I don't think that's. Like, the tape is so nasty. Like, I highly recommend going to watch him because he does kill guards.
3: Do you think the Aaron Donald thing will help or.
1: Yeah, because, you know, we talk about it.
3: Same helmet scouting is stupid, right? But undersized defensive tackle out of pit. There it is. It compares itself. You don't even need to. Like, that can't hurt, right? The fact that Aaron Donald did that and he gets to sort of at least pretend that he can be Aaron Donald 2.0 for a bit um, but a lot of people are talking him up as like the guy that's impressing the most when they actually yeah. turn on tape uh, number 11 Tennessee Titans Paris Johnson Jr. Ohio State offensive tackle
1: I mean offensive line ended up being such a horror mess for disaster. them disaster Dennis Daly can't you can't put this guy on the field um, so yeah offensive tackle I uh, mean yeah, you hey. know the the issue is going to be like, what do they do with Taylor One? Like, is that? I mean, Taylor and was saying they're going to get they're going to cut him. Like, okay, so there you go. He, so then, then, <laughs> he's then we're like, good.
3: there's no chance that I get brought
1: back. Yeah, so then you would pair Parise Johnson with like, um, his his former teammate Nicolas Petit Frère
3: that's nice thank you you yeah. tell you've been uh,
1: up in canada for a while <laughs> so yeah so i think this is a good pick Th- like i said that offense line was brutal last year without taylor the one and if you're again saying taylor one will not be there next year then yeah. tackle is brutal.
3: lowest graded offensive line in the nfl ranked 32nd in pff's offensive line rankings just crawled off the bottom of the league in terms of yards before contact on average over the season they averaged one I think the lowest was the Texans at 0.9 or 0.8 but they were down the bottom basically all season long despite um, Derrick Henry in the backfield like the rushing success that Derrick Henry had was not because the offensive line was generating anything yeah. it was like this is all Derrick Henry here uh, number 12 Houston Texans with their second first round pick uh, from Cleveland Lucas Van Ness uh, Iowa defensive lineman I love him Mr. Power
1: yeah, I think – but the the nice thing about him, I think, which makes him, like, you know, the 12th overall pick and maybe even better, I don't know, but definitely a top 20 pick is, like, he does have speed and bend and to go with the very obvious power. And that makes him a very interesting prospect, fits team need. I mean, again, with the Texans, you can go anywhere Everything, on defense, yeah. really. Um, but, you know, defensive end was not a great position for them. So, um,
3: Do so yeah, I'm into it. Um for teams that have like multiple first round picks, does that change what you would do with the second one? Like, because I think a lot of teams treat like a second first round pick almost as like house money and gamble more or do like-, like could, could could you, oh, right, like and just take a, like a, a
1: prospect. Just do like something get that they wouldn't necessarily do. Yeah, do yeah.
3: something that they wouldn't necessarily do if they only had the fir- one first round pick. It feels like they're more willing to gamble or to chase upside yeah. or to sort of to basically it, ch- it just changes how they approach the thing i wonder if there's something with like do it like like so the texans
1: would take a quarterback and then it's like oh do you take like a tackle or a receiver like do you pair that quarterback with right. another piece that that they're going to interact with like uh that that's possible um and then it's like yeah do you think with one pick like, even if it's not quarterback, if he's like, hey, okay, one pick is like a defensive end who we absolutely know is going to be good because because we just know. Um, and then you in the second pick, you take some freak athlete who's like, I could see it.
3: I right, because I felt that a little bit last year with the Lions. Like, I didn't, you know, the idea of taking Malik Willis at number two overall always struck me as a little bit crazy, but I would have been all for taking him with 32 or yeah. whatever they were picking. Because you're like, we already spent our first round pick. We already had Jared Goff. The bottom end of the first round for a dude with this much athletic talent, and let's see what we can create here. I'm kind of okay with that. Like that, that to me strikes. like I, I it, it is almost certainly bad process. Yeah. But I kind of <laughs> like the approach of gambling with that second first round pick. That's my middle mm. name. Bad process. Mm. I certainly. It feels like you know. You can see like where you would go wrong if you ever like the the people that win the the lottery, right? And get like three hundred million dollars. You know. You can see how you would. Row your, like drive your life right off a cliff yeah. with that. One year it's gone. The spe- but you can see like the specific ways that you would, you know, ruin yourself if that happened. It's like if I was given an NFL team, this would be where I went wrong, right? Every time I had a second first round pick, I would be drafting some like crazy <sighs> yeah, yeah. lunatic potential guy that ended up like being the like worst Tony interview. Mandarich every time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And you wouldn't last very long.
3: No, that would be my downfall, uh, pretty much. Number 13, the New York Jets. This one is fascinating. Jackson, Smith, and Jigbo, wide receiver from Ohio State. First thing I want to point out, his name Jackson is spelled J-A-X-O-N, which until I misspelled it, typing it somewhere, I didn't realize what an efficient saving of letters that Perfect. was. He has turned CKS yeah. into X, and it does the same job. I mean, that's just a efficiency I can applaud and get behind. But can he play X in the NFL? Oh, look at that! Uh, I, I actually, do you have a take on that? Well,
1: yes and no. I mean, he, he's a, he's a slot guy right now. Yes, like, that's so, all so he's he played wants.
3: almost exclusively, he's in exclusively in the slot for Ohio slot. State, like ninety plus percent of his snaps.
1: The thing, the, the only thing that I, I again, this is like a good player, probably going to be picked in this range. I the Jets, do they need like he, he might be really really good? But it's like, okay, you have Garrett Wilson, right? I know, I know Elijah Moore has not lit the world on fire, but I think that might be quarterback-related.
3: But also, not just that, but seems to be really unhappy there. That's like, true. Like agitating true. a Th- this lot. This is where
1: I think looking at this right now, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it, but after free agency, when we see what's up, maybe a little bit more. Because I do think this is a really good receiving core. Could you get it better if Jackson Smith and Jigma is this type of player? Like, yeah, for sure. But I, they, they also have other issues too. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, uh, I, I like the player. Maybe the fit is like just okay for me.
3: I found him such a weird player to try and get my head around. Like, he just, everything about him watching his tape is odd to me. Like, his movement pattern is yeah. very strange. His running style is odd. Like, he's just his gait is unusual. Yeah. Um, you've got this obviously like guy with, outside receiver size, playing in the slot, all these kinds of things. He also falls over, just slips over and falls more than anybody I think I've ever seen playing football. Um I actually think though, that he might be a better X receiver than okay. he has a slot receiver. I actually think his skill set is more suited to playing on the outside than it is where he was lining up for Ohio State, which makes him really interesting because if that's your starting point of actually this guy is better right now, or he's better than he looks right now. If you put him in a different position, which actually turns out is more valuable at the next level.
1: Yeah, when I was thinking about uh, this pick, I was thinking about Jordan uh, Justin Jefferson because he played in the slot for yep. LSU in 2019. But the mm-hmm. thing, was, and then he ended up ends up being a, a great anywhere receiver, right? Yeah. The thing is, Justin Jefferson had a great year in 2018 outside. So we have that on tape. Like you could have went back and said, okay, well, actually, we here's here's like. You know, 300 snaps of him right. playing X, and it was like really good uh, on a team that wasn't that was like okay at that time. We don't have that yet. So, but I, so I do agree
3: with you that I think that that's total projection. Yeah, total than projection. Like, rather than taking a bit and and like extrapolating. And like, but, but the
1: thing is that even if he's a good slot receiver, like that's fine too.
3: Sure, but I'm, is it? I'm okay with I'm
1: okay with that now as like a first round pick.
3: Yeah, but like first round pick versus 13 over, I, you know what I mean? There's yeah. a that's that's always the discussion with those guys. Like I've always sort of said, well, if you got. If you knew a guy was Wes Welker or Julian Edelman or whoever your favorite slot yeah. receiver is, like if you guaranteed that's who he is, how high is that? Or how high should that guy be drafted? Like where is that worth? Yeah, it's probably because still a
1: second round pick.
3: I think it might be a first, but I don't think it's, it's 13. Late, yeah, it's a late first. Like, yeah, yeah it, like I would take a bottom end of the first round pick for that, but I don't think I would spend 13 overall on it. This reminds me. We talked about
1: draft bust yesterday. Mm-hmm. And like things we shouldn't do moving forward. Yep. This kind of related to slot receivers. Well, it is. It's the it's the Kadarius Tony. It's the the guy who was already a gadget player in college. Like it's you're more you're all the good guys who become good gadget players in the NFL were real receivers in college. And then they couldn't find it and then they became gadget players. If you're already the gadget player <laughs> Which Tony was and um there's a guy who from from this year who I'm who I'm forgetting, but like if you're already Wandell Robinson, I guess is the other guy. Uh if you're already that player, it's tough, man. Tavon Austin is the best example. Yeah. Right? He was already this like multiple piece type of player, but not the greatest receiver, like the, we anyways.
3: It's also like if you don't know what you're doing with a guy when you're drafting him, that's just immediately a bad sort of red flag process thing like if you were going to do what they did when they traded up to get Tavon Austin it's like at the very minimum you should have a extensive idea of how you plan on deploying him in this offense as opposed to Tavon Austin runs jet sweeps yeah the end that's our plan and And that just doesn't
1: like I I remember looking this up because I think I wrote something about the Giants last year and, and Daniel Jones and that offense but like Routes like slant routes and like routes that are caught underneath five yards. We always want to believe that there's all these players in the league that are gonna take a five yard slant and bring it to the house. Like that's it's just statistically five yard slants get caught and they get tackled at seven yards. Like that's
3: what it is. Like the space is not there in the NFL relative to college. So why Reggie Bush wasn't the guy he was in college in the NFL. As talented as Reggie Bush is, you don't have that kind of space to work with. Like NFL defenses are not that inept. And, you know, the hash marks are different. Like, there just isn't that volume of real estate to do your stuff in. Um, Where are we? Number 13. So we'll get to number 14 in a minute. But first, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. The beautiful metal plaque on the wall. The mugs we got the Western and Southern logo all this, over the place. This is
1: technically the Western and Southern studio.
3: Right, correct, and yeah. we've also got you know Western and Southern colors in the logo, like the whole thing. The whole shebang is set up. Um, while you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. Right. Pick number 14. Uh, By the way, the other interesting thing about that is that's the first wide receiver off the board, right? For that, I mean, that's notable in itself um, that that's the guy he Selected as the first number fourteen, New England Patriots, uh, Devon Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois. I think
1: it, it, this is like a great fit because they've they've kind of gone away. The Patriots have kind of gone away from like exclusively playing press man to man, but they still play it a hell of a lot. And Witherspoon is a great press man to man corner, so just the fit is perfect. Really good player, man. I, I, he came out of nowhere this year, but watching a little bit of his film, and he's a good, he's a really good player. It also
3: felt like they almost abandon everything they sort of usually do on defense because they just didn't have the guys that could do it. Like when they went up against teams like Buffalo, that's like, well, we don't have anyone that can go one-on-one with Stephon Diggs. We're not even going to try the stuff we did in the past. Like when they want to catch you with your Diggs, they're just going to take it. And you know who did
1: keep trying to do that? The Miami Dolphins. Right. Like what happened.
3: Um, Number 15, Green Bay Packers, Michael Meyer, uh, tight end, Notre Dame.
1: Look, pass catcher. First round tight end.
3: Yeah. Uh, he's
1: complete, though. He's like everything. He's going to fall because he won't test as well as like maybe even like a Dalton Kincaid or something like that, who I think a lot of people like and is a good player. But Meyer is like just – he's he's everything. He just does everything. So I think this is a good pick for them. Any type of pass catcher would have been a good pick for them. We've been saying it for years. So
3: mm-hmm. um, Teams yeah. hate drafting tight ends in the first round. For reasons I don't quite understand. Like, obviously, Kyle Pitts. And he
1: won't go, like I said, once he runs like four, six, something. Maybe not four, six. I'm not really good with numbers. But
3: uh, (laughs) um, once he runs a lower number
1: than people think, I don't think he's. And someone's going to get a really good deal in pick 25 or
3: something. But like Kyle Pitts obviously went four overall. But it was because he was a unique Freak, athlete, yeah. unicorn, and by the way, could probably be ex receiver yeah. in, in any offense in the league. And that itself is worth that pick. Meyer is like, what you think about a tight end, right. that's Michael Meyer. But for like a sort of traditional tight end yeah. like Meyer, teams hate drafting those guys high. I mean, almost all the best tight ends you can think of didn't go high. Like Gronk was what, a third rounder? Yeah um Travis Kelsey uh Darren Waller was like a sixth round wide receiver. Like these guys they weren't coveted when they came out. Even you know last year uh Trey McBride, right, was being talked about as a really good tight end prospect, yeah. but it's like but we're not taking him high, you know, we'll get him later. It's it's kind of weird to me how the NFL still not shuns the position but doesn't seem to value it in the draft. Helmuth scouting Notre Dame tight ends. Great track record. I was going to say, haven't they had like a pretty good run of it? Great track record.
1: Anthony Fasano,
3: Kyle Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph. Cole Komet. They've had a pretty good run. Um, Number 16, Washington Commanders, Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia.
1: Another team that has no, like Charles Leno was actually okay for them this year. Charles Leno is okay. Yeah, exactly. People hate
3: him because he loses because offensive tackles that are only okay lose, but he's fine.
1: Yeah, but that that was the only guy they had
3: though. Right. So then,
1: Roger Jones is probably a a good fit for them. The quarterback is interesting though, obviously at the, with this team. Do you buy
3: this idea that they've been telling people that Sam Howell's actually going to be the starter?
1: Yeah, I do. Really? I do. I, I could uh, based
3: off one game.
1: Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that. I'm like the, I'm not I'm very neutral about Sam Howell, but I could see them I could see them going with him.
3: Huh. I just in today's NFL, I would be amazed if a team was willing to hitch its wagon to a guy that didn't have a high draft prospect so, coming out after one performance. Which was one performance which was good, but was also very not like standard NFL offense y, you know?
1: Um, do you do you think they're going to trade up? Do you think they're they're a candidate for trading up? No,
3: it feels like they're the team that's going to keep jumping on the veteran merry-go-round thing and try and find some answer to, you know, out there in the open. I don't know if they go aggressive and try and get an Aaron Rodgers yeah. or if they're like Derek Carr We'll like take Derek Carr. How how I get that go?
1: I, I, I think this team is not bad with Derek Carr. Yeah, if
3: you could go Derek Carr and you take,
1: you know, let's say you take Project Jones. Stephen core is really good. They hit on Jahan Dotson last year. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is a really good player, so.
3: I mean, I'd be fine with them installing Sam Howell as the backup and rolling with you know Derek Carr or whatever as the starter. And then if Carr stinks at any point, you'd turn it over to Howell and see what you have. But the idea that after that one game, you'd be like, yeah, sure, he's the starter, unquestionably, just feels wild to me. Like we were, we're how many games into the Brock Purdy thing and we're still like, I don't know, who knows? I don't know if he's the starter before the injury, obviously, but that's like exponentially more evidence than we have for for uh, Sam Howell.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I I don't think Sam Howell is the answer long term, but I could see them wanting to like, see what what they have there. But but like that ne- that means that means not being aggressive in the free agency market for a quarterback, which it means and being I'm the Same three guys again: Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton. Jimmy Garoppolo
3: And being, like, prepared to almost sacrifice this season if you're yeah. wrong. Like, that's the concern. And,
1: that's, and, the, and, like, not them, like, Rivera is obviously on the hot
3: seat. Right, because they didn't want to see what they had in him at the end of last season because they were still alive, right? And then yeah. as soon as they weren't, it's like, all right, let's see what we have in Sam Howell for one game. But you can't, then you didn't see enough because you only had one game. Um, number 17, Pittsburgh Steelers, Joey Porter Jr., <laughs> cornerback, Penn State. They need a
1: corner. Again, this is a fit. Another press press corner. Family connection. Family connection.
3: Joey Porter senior, edge yeah. rusher of the Steelers back in the day. Joey Porter Jr. now rocks up as their cornerback. They do need corners.
1: Yeah. They they might not have any corners on the roster after free agency. So like they're gonna need a corner. Porter's a good player. Like I haven't watched too much of him, but he's a very instinctive player. And uh, like I said, press man and man. So I think
3: they're yeah, they desperately need cornerbacks. Like they're not, they don't, they didn't have a terrible group last year, but they clearly still have juice as a pass rushing unit when TJ Watt is still there. Yeah. And when you have, when you take like an okay group of corners and make them better, that makes everything look better. Just the, the sort of symbiotic relationship of those yeah. two is like a force multiplier. Um, number 18, Detroit Lions. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon. It's a cornerback run.
1: Yeah, and this is where like we talked about the Lions before, where it's like, yeah, you would love to have a cornerback earlier, probably, than you would take the edge, but there just isn't one until now. Right, so so now their second and, pick. Yeah, yeah, so now you go and take Christian Gonzalez, and you feel pretty comfortable about that. Mm-hmm. Could, again, it's like could go pr- almost anywhere um, uh, with the Lions pick, but maybe if there's a run on corners like there is in this – in this fantasy world that we're living in right now, then yeah, I mean, I think corner is definitely a
3: more acute need for them than edge rusher. But you're right; it comes down yep. to sort of value of the position, value within the draft. Like, where is the top corner going to go? And if you don't think it's worth that first pick, yeah, you might wait until 18 and still be able to get your guy and and upgrade both positions. So, yeah,
1: they're bad. They're bad at corner man. Yeah. yeah, I think mean, I think
3: overall, if the Lions come out of this draft with you know edge rusher and corner in the fr- with their two first round picks, that's that's pretty good going. Regardless of the order, like uh, number 19, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Keon White, defensive lineman from Georgia.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's interesting because all of a sudden, like, sh- they're getting a little old.
3: And this was before Tom Brady yeah. walked away.
1: Getting a little old. Uh, Joe Tryon has not been.
3: He kind of came on a bit towards the end of the year. And but, hopefully
1: that continues. Yeah. But like, it's been an okay two years for him in the league. Right. Matt, Um You know, Barrett on the other side is like, well, there's been really good years, but he's also getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm okay with him going Keon White. Now, I haven't watched Keon White because it kind of came out of nowhere and people are talking about him. Um Looking up his stats. Yeah, it was like, an
3: old Dominion yeah. transfer before he went to Georgia Tech. Um Had Sorry, a good –
1: Good 2022, though, just looking at the PFF grades, it was, it was an okay 2022. wasn't a great in terms of production via
3: PFF. So, like, there's, there's other defensive events who I would take
1: before, but I think defensive end is fine, though.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think defensive line makes a lot of sense for them. It, it hasn't been as good. Obviously, they dealt with a lot of injuries. Even the guys that are supposed to be consistent stars weren't, certainly this year, I, I think injecting talent into that group or youth definitely makes sense. Uh, number 20, Seattle Seahawks, another team with their second first-round pick. Uh, Byron Young, um, defensive end from Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and as we said, this is a need for them. I, I would have been okay with them, again, taking that defensive end. If they could, if, if like Will Anderson dropped to them at five, like that'd be great for them. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen. So then, then, then you have, um, again, guys like Byron Young. I think there's other defensive ends that I like a lot in this draft class, so it could be anyone. And yeah, I'm very much needed. Someone outside of yeah. Noosu. They do. said they it really, the other yeah. day. Noosu would be a really good number two. So let's find a number one then.
3: And I don't think it needs to be like I don't think they necessarily need an edge on the other side if they find a, an interior guy that, that can dominate right. as well. Like they just need another I was, was like
1: I, I expected so much more from their interior this year. I think that's really yeah was an issue for them.
3: I think they just definitely need some upgrade along the defensive yeah. line wherever it is. So that makes sense. Number twenty one, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Tuli Tui Palatu from uh, defensive tackle from USC. I, I just can't believe the Chargers continue to be.
1: They they you thought they fixed what they had to fix last offseason mm. and it just fell apart. So defensive tackle, they need it. They could Go a lot of different positions. Linebacker's not great. Yeah. Edges 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 obviously probably their only unit that you're like okay with um, with a healthy. A healthy Bosa and and Killamac, even not at the peak of his game, you're probably still okay there. Mm-hmm. But interior man, it's fuck oh God, it's bad. Yeah, the guys so it's that like they right down in. the spine. Interior and inside linebacker is yeah. so bad.
3: The guys that they brought in to fix that spine generally in the last couple of years just haven't worked out. Whether it's Kenneth Murray at linebacker, whether it's the defensive tackles they brought in last offseason, they just haven't done what they were supposed to do to fix that. And I think, look, obviously some of it is scheme. Like this is a team that intentionally sort of invites the run, but there's only- but like
1: you gotta be able to make, you gotta be able to get off a block once in a while.
3: like you can only be so bad at that before inviting the run is actually problematic to the defense overall. And they've been over that line for the last couple of years. So they definitely need to fix that at some point. Baltimore Ravens, number 22. Quentin Johnson, wide receiver from TCU. I
1: mean, this has been the pick for a long time. Now, Rashad Bateman is the, the enigma here, right? Renner
3: loves this guy.
1: He loves Johnson, Quentin Johnson. Yeah, because he's like the X that that Lamar Jackson has never had. Right, right. It works perfectly, and I think Bateman's the type of player who can move around. And you sure. still need two outside receivers on every play, right? Right.
3: So, and even I mean, Bateman spent a lot of his time in the slot as well. Like he, yes. he's done that.
1: And, and we have the injury from Bateman last year. So, yeah. Johnson is just like they need a guy who can who can keep the safeties deep.
3: Yeah, and he is have that have guy. Like that he's ball. such a fascinating. I I don't love him, mm-hmm. but he's a really intriguing prospect yeah, because of the size, the size and the speed and what he could be, but it's very much, it's projecting quite a lot. Like he's a, he's a weird receiver where, you know, six foot four long, but isn't good at the catch point, or at least <laughs> yeah, hasn't been.
1: Yeah. It's like... so you were saying the other day about letting the ball come to you.
3: Yeah, he's not good at that, and uh, maybe he can get better at it, but I don't, there's not a great track record of those guys that aren't that player naturally becoming that player. Um, but... He has rare ability to catch the ball turn up field and just outrun people and that that is valuable so yeah i'd say that's pretty valuable but like renner sent me you know i i was i asked renner when i first watched him I was like is this guy really as good as you think he is because i'm kind of not seeing it and then like randomly on a saturday last week he sends me this play and he's like q4 you know 10 35 against cal like in 2018 or something like some random play years ago and he's like there's only you know a handful of guys in the nfl that can do that and he it's like a simple sort of hook route or whatever. He catches it, immediately turns upfield, and then outruns the secondary for a touchdown. Like, All right, I, I'll definitely give you one thing that jumped out was when he catches those passes facing his quarterback, he's immediately back upfield, spins around, and, and goes upfield really fast. He does that really well. The safety, however, for Cal, I would hope is now working for UPS or at least no longer playing football because – it was awful like he just randomly loped in the direction of johnson and then fell on his face like that okay yes it was good acceleration but that that's not a touchdown against a good player like he gets tackled and yes the turn up feel thing was good but i don't think that displayed the kind of otherworldly randy moss-esque you know speed that we're maybe selling him on
1: yeah that's why i'm i'm not so you look, what, what pick is this? Twenty-two. Yeah. Like I'm not mad at them taking. I think him this is the right,
3: the right. But I'm also, range I'm also think
1: I do think he's a second round type of talent. Yeah.
3: I I mean I think this is the right kind of range for him. Like I'm seeing a lot of people have him as the number one receiver in the draft, the guy that's going to go borderline top ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like so. that. No, I
1: don't think so.
3: But if you do what this happens and he ends up sliding to number twenty-two, I actually think that's a yeah, it's a good fit and it's, and it's a good yeah, like I range said, the fit is perfect. Yeah. Here. So I, gonna,
1: they got to keep drafting wide receivers until one right. hits.
3: as much as I don't love that uh, him as a player, I think that's a yeah. good fit and range for him. Number twenty three, Minnesota Vikings, Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi State.
1: Look, I, I find I find this so funny during the season when we had the, all these discussions about the Minnesota defense because they they never played press; they played off. You know, that was just what they did on defense. They played off, and they were letting all these guys run run across the field, un, unabated, no mm-hmm. problem. But it's like, it's like oh, well, then they should play Matt. It's like, well, with w- 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 who? Avec Key. Like, like Peterson has become a great off-corner because he's he can't – like, he's too old to right. like press and snap, snap on snap on snap. So I think getting a corner – and it's funny, so Mississippi State um, – you know, under I think the Zach Arnett's the defense coordinator now the head coach. I think not a big press team. They've had a
3: really interesting run of corners recently.
1: Yeah, but then the, the Martin Emerson's uh, um, good play this year and kind of fit in there in Cleveland and him being able to play man to man coverage like gives me hope that Forbes and then as
3: well. Dancer was Mississippi State as well, right? Like, like before him, so they've had this yeah. kind of interesting run of corners in the last few yeah. years.
1: And they they need a corner good fit, so I'm yeah. into
3: it. I think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like that. The secondary, I mean, the whole defense needs upgrading, needs an injection of talent in the first round. Um, secondary in particular, like they were bad last year, plus everybody was hurt. You know, yeah. Andrew Booth, their second round pick, um, was injured. Uh, obviously, Louis sean broke his leg in that brutal thing in London. Um, so, yeah, they uh, hopefully those guys coming back will help as well, but I would definitely say corner should be a pretty good starting point for them. Number 24, the Jacksonville... Jaguars, Deontay Banks, cornerback from Maryland.
1: Yeah, again, corner. You know they had Darius Williams there last year, so I'm not. I don't, I don't know. I think the corners were fine. Well, Tyson Campbell was good. Yeah. Um. So no problem there. And then I didn't think Darius Campbell was uh, Darius Williams was that bad last year. So when they I moved don't
3: know. him, I thought he was much better outside than he is inside, which, which is, is weird. where they moved him. I yes. believe. Yeah. Which is weird for like he. He's one of those guys, this happens every draft year where he's tiny, right? So you get these guys to play outside in college, uh, but they're small. So the NFL goes, well, that guy's a slot only. You know, yeah. slot slot players are small. You're that small, you play in the slot now. You know, like, but there's, the PFF data has sort of shown that there's a much, much tighter correlation between guys that have played well in the slot in college, succeeding in the slot at the NFL, and guys who didn't play in the slot in college but have slot size and get shoved in there just because that's where we think they should play. So, Troy Hill, I think, was like this as well. Troy Hill's a better outside corner than he is a slot corner, but he's a slot size. So, he gets funneled back in there a lot of times. Darius Williams, I think, is a better outside corner than he is a slot guy. And maybe the Jags have realized that now. And if they have, they're actually in a pretty good spot when yeah, it comes to are. corners. They need a slot guy at some point, but they don't necessarily need like a first round corner to come in and take that spot. Um, even forgetting uh, Shaquille Griffin, still there. Shaquille? 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 Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I don't think you can ever have really too many good yeah, corners, sure. but it's not a need, I would say.
1: No, I don't think it's a need.
3: Where would you go with this if you were picking their need?
1: You know, safety is interesting. Rashawn Jenkins, I think, played okay. Then you have like wind Guard. I think there's another safety that I'm forgetting. So maybe safety. You could... F- you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about the draft as of yet to tell you if there's a guard right here to play opposite of Scherf.
3: This would also be an interesting spot. We've only had two wide receivers off the board, right? We've had Quentin, yeah, that and that, that I think is
1: they need a number one. I, I was like pleasantly surprised by the, the what they could do with, with, with a bunch of number twos or yeah. number 2.5s this year, but they, they still eventually need a number
3: one if they were able to. And I'm not necessarily, I don't want to necessarily label him as like this obvious x number one guy but if they were able to get jordan addison at this spot yeah that
1: would be that'd be interesting
3: particularly as the third wide receiver off the board that would strike me as one of the best value picks we've had in this draft so far yeah.
1: speaking of jordan addison
3: yeah there you go 25 new york giants jordan addison wide receiver from usc
1: obviously receiver we've talked about it
3: i like him a lot yeah I, he's good he's a great ahead.
1: runner separation the whole thing
3: yeah um, he reminds me a lot of I mean, not, but he reminds me of Garrett Wilson last year where you're like, he's just good at everything. I mean, he's, he's, there's no problems here. Like we draft this guy in the first round. We don't think about it. We just get a good player. It's great. Maybe he, like, can he become, you know, this sort of dominant Julio Jones force as an ex?
1: Probably not, but, yeah. like, doesn't care. He's, he's not big. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah, like it's he's so, not a big player. So
3: if we're, like, shooting for, if the standard here is, can this guy become Jamar Chase, the answer is probably no. But yeah. it's, like, can he become Garrett Wilson, come in and put up really big numbers and do well yeah. at everything? Yes. So, I I mean, I think for the Giants that would be great. I think for one pick before, for the Jags it would be great as well.
1: A fit works,
3: player works. I
1: think this, is, this would be a home run Let's for go. the Giants to take this guy. Love that pick.
3: Need a receiver
1: so badly. Anybody who they could just count on, who isn't like Isaiah Hodgins, the guy they (laughs) ended up counting on.
3: Right. Um, We got, what, six more picks. But first, I want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up playoff football season and therefore Super Bowl season. It's underdog fantasy in their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that uh, in this week's game, and then you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick entry get all of your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFF, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Uh right, where are we up to? Number Dallas Cowboys. 26 with the Dallas Cowboys. This one makes no sense to me. <laughs> Who select Bijan Robinson running back from Texas.
1: So I'm like I I'm I don't care if you want to draft the running back in the first round like I don't want to get into that discussion. <laughs> like that's fine. I just w- why why a running back when you have Pollard for sure. Elliot,
3: I'm not sure well, what Pollard's the, a free agent, right? Oh, is he? Yeah.
1: Oh, so this is the thing, you
3: finally get out from the Zeke Elliott contract and Pollard is hitting free agency and they've never shown any commitment to Tony Pollard. So all of a sudden it's like, well, if we're losing Zeke, let's replace him with, a, with our stud bell cow again. I like Bichon so much that
1: like, I'm okay with it if, you're, if you don't have Tony Pollard.
3: This to me is like the most Dallas pick possible. Yeah, for sure. Nothing is more Jerry Jones than doing this. Even if they brought back Pollard, it's like, hey, Tony, congratulations. Here's a modest free agent contract. You're going to maintain the same role where you're buried on the depth jar behind a bellcat running back. We love you.
1: God, that would kill me.
3: (laughs) But it would be the most— Pollard is so good, dude. It would be the most Jerry Jones thing in the world.
1: Yeah, the Cowboys have other needs too, man, like interior defensive linemen is— Big-time pick for them. Even
3: Mel Kuyper's description, like the first line is, quote, this just makes sense, right? Team owner Jerry Jones loves star running backs going back to the days of drafting Emmitt Smith in the first round.
1: Receiver, go take a receiver. They need someone to take the pressure off Michael um, CD Lamb, yeah. who is not Michael Gallup because I thought it was going to be Michael Gallup, huge fan of Michael Gallup, and then this year coming off the injury,
3: yeah, which I mean maybe he's a different guy next year a year yeah. removed from that injury but based off last year they definitely need that secondary threat to him. Yeah. I I do think that if this is the way this draft unfolds it is a hugely uh, likely pick Yeah. but I don't know that I would do it and I don't even when I say that I agree with you it's not I I don't think there's. I would necessarily not take Bijan Robinson at 26 overall but I think for Dallas specifically, there's better ways of spending that. Hundred uh, percent. Twenty-seven and spending meaning like re-signing Tony
1: Pollard. Right, that's the first thing. Right?
3: Twenty-seven Buffalo Bills, Derek Hall, um, edge rusher from Albert.
1: You know the Bills roster is all of a sudden like up not for debate. looking as great. Yeah, like all of a sudden they need they have holes everywhere. Yeah, and and if they lose, I, I think they'll probably end up re-signing some of their better players that that they can't really afford to lose. I think Poyer and Edmonds. Edmonds had a really, really good season next to Milano. Yeah,
3: but like because of the money that they – like they're in this world now with the Josh Allen contract that you're going to have to let some guys yep. go. Yep. And I think Poyer would be an obvious thanks-sia candidate, particularly in that defense. Yep. I think they're generally able to get good safety play out of almost anybody. And then Edmonds coming off that career year, how much of an outlier it was relative yeah. to everything else would terrify me. you
1: still young. Me. You're still so young. I
3: know, but like – but do you want to get like because he's so young and because he just had that amazing year? You're going to be resetting the market with him as your yeah. linebacker, and I wouldn't want to give him that deal.
1: Right. Well, then, then you could just pick anyone at this position at 27. Right. Like it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Guard, tackle. I mean that
3: the unquestionably the best roster safety yeah. corner. That um, like
1: uh, the defensive end outside of Von Miller, and who knows what Von Miller's future is looking like, like. It's all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like this team is like cobbled together via Josh Allen and Savon Diggs, and it's like so that's so amazing
3: it. how fast your receiver they can go. Receiver here, it's so amazing how fast things can unravel in the NFL. Like the Bills, if that's the case, the Bills will have gone from unquestionably the best roster, yeah. top to bottom, in the NFL heading into last season. To you can literally draft anywhere on defense, and it would be a good pick in the first round because you have holes everywhere.
1: Jeff Dunham on offense. Man. That
3: too, yeah. I mean, you could <laughs> basically spend this pick anywhere except quarterback. and yeah. It would make sense. Like in nine months, that would have happened. That's it's incredible. Madness. I, I can't believe it. And like that just goes to show how good Josh Allen has been.
1: In my like, I think I think we we kind of written, wrote him off for MVP. But you look at his statistical profile; it's like still. But I think it also shows
3: like how freaking hard it is to to maintain any kind of championship window for any period of time. Because yeah. in nine months, you can go from having the best roster in the league, to having one riddle with holes and needing major offseason repair work. Like for a team like the Patriots, obviously with Tom Brady, to spend 20 years just reloading, reloading, yeah. reloading, and no problem. For Kansas City, the, the it's five straight AFC yeah, Tigers. The it. Like it, be that, that soon too. It's insane. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the Browns had a really good roster for a couple of years, went all in with Deshaun Watson. By the time he's there to take advantage of it, the whole thing might have come down around his ears. It's crazy. Number twenty-eight, Cincinnati Bengals, Dalton Kincaid, tight end from Utah.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think this is Hurst is a free agent, so Hayden Hurst is a free agent, so very possible. A lot of people like Kincaid. I haven't watched him yet. A lot of people like Kincaid, and like uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah had him at tight end one over right. Michael Mayer, who he had like tight end three or something. So clearly a really good player, and and the Bengals kind of in the. In this, we can say the same thing about the Bengals in, in, in the sense that they could kind of draft any position as well. But but looking at it from a different lens, which is like, because they're good, <laughs> they can draft any position.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they would also it depend, Again, it kind of depends what they do in free agency. But yeah. I think they still need to keep working on that offensive line. I think what they did last year made a lot of sense. Um, but obviously, a injury showed you the issues if yeah. they have to go into the bench. B Jonah Williams was the one guy that they didn't mess with last year. And we're like, no, we're good with him. He gave up 12 sacks this year. And as much as Lyle Collins was an upgrade, like he was really good in the run game. Not great as a pass blocker. I'm not, I wouldn't be 100% sold that you're set there either.
1: He, he was got better as the year went on, but like.
3: He's also had like a pretty extensive list of injuries. And like, yeah,
1: now you're in another injury. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I think line they got to keep so i wouldn't necessarily like go crazy to
3: replace him but if you know an offensive tackle showed up yeah. and you're like i like you're picking this guy
1: 28th too it's like you're picking 12th like right. you can go and go and find a, a, a tackle at this position you're, you're probably all right with
3: yeah 29 denver broncos new orleans saints oh you're right it is the new orleans saints for the sean payton deal this yeah. pick has never been traded three times already we haven't got to the draft yet so the new orleans saints so he mel Kuiper had the denver broncos selecting isaiah uh foskey edge rusher from Notre Dame. Who are we picking? Well, let's yeah. Who who are the Saints picking at this spot? Saints are are tough. I think
1: defensive end is the way to is the way to go. So I guess it could be Isaiah Foskey. Right. I would. I you know I love Lucas Van Ness. So it's like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Trade package twenty nine <laughs> and forty one and go up and get another defensive end like they always do. Yeah. Um Yeah. You stuff. could go like the Saints roster is just like it's man all around all along defensive line. Cameron Jordan might be getting to the end here. Yeah. Marcus Davenport up and down. Still showing flashes that I'm like still excited about but I don't know.
3: He's also like he's never played more than 500 snaps or he's played like just over 500 snaps one time. He averages like 400 and something 30 pressures a season. Like for a dude like like this was the guy where you traded the two first round picks to go up and get him because he's so young and talented and blah 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 and every year he flashes just enough where you're like yeah that's still there but at some point it actually needs to go there otherwise you just it's a lot of money or a lot of yeah. capital I mean there's up also got...
1: Peyton Turner who they took in the first round who yeah. like hasn't really done much so right. like linebacker they're okay uh, safety with Marcus May they're okay obviously Tyron Matthew getting up there with age could be an issue corner they're fine they keep finding corners you know obviously Lattimore but then they have like a lot Taylor and they have like Paulson Adibo and all those players
3: it always feels like they could stand to upgrade that one though like the second corner
1: yeah and then offensive line, like, man, Caesar Reyes finally hit this year, which is great. You know, it, we always say it takes interior offensive linemen a couple of years. He hit in his third year. That's been great for them. Um, but they, they need a tackle, I guess. Penning was injured the whole year. So I guess that was, you know, that was the first big last year. So I don't know. You could, you could even go receiver. Uh, Michael Thomas most likely not coming back. Uh, Jarvis Landry didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. You do you did find two rookies, yeah. Chris Olave and uh, Rashid Shihid. who's who was amazing. Yeah, but you probably still need that third guy. So maybe you know pick twenty nine again. It's not like we're picking the top ten here. Right. So pick twenty nine could be a receiver as well. There's a, there's a lot of um, uh, things that they can do. They could go quarterback. I don't think 29th is where you want to go quarterback. Right, because I don't think there's a guy here. But I've seen people talk about Hendon Hooker, maybe.
3: It's also like yeah, it's it doesn't feel like a great um, doesn't feel like a great place to try and gamble on the low first round quarterback thing. That yeah. doesn't always feel like one that's actually going to pan out particularly well. Um, pick number thirty, Philadelphia Eagles. So this was, I think he did this with like the order using ESPN's yeah. football play index or whatever they call it. So number thirty, Philadelphia Eagles, Brian Branch, safety from Alabama. Love Brian Branch. Absolutely love Brian Branch. You know, we'll see. Their
1: nickel situation has been uh, fluid this year. Avonte Maddox, he gets injured. Josiah uh, Scott played there. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was supposed to play. So John- Chauncey Gardner-Johnson played nickel in New Orleans, got traded because he didn't want to play nickel anymore. That's what I, I understand. Right. So they played him at safety, and then with all the injuries, they eventually had to move him to nickel. Um, so they, they, they probably need a nickel. Branch is a really good player, man. I, I honestly think they'd go O-line. I think they gotta eventually
3: really? be proactive. This is the best offensive line in the league. But well, they kind of did that because last year they got Cam Jurgens, right? So they've sort of theoretically yeah. future-proofed uh, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. Like Lane Johnson,
1: though, with the injury. Yeah, like that. That would be my. I mean, Dickerson's a young guy. My lad is a young guy, so maybe right. not. But like. Um, That's a good team, man. Like they they don't have a lot of. I mean, like, but
3: this and this is
1: why. Especially at their second pick, like we already just we already filled their need at defensive line. And this is
3: why this pick. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is where you're going to get fired. Exactly, and both (laughs) picks are classic like Eagles good process picks, right? Like this is why they've been so successful that they've been able to get two first round picks, and in this particular draft, Mel's they've. Added a defensive lineman because they just keep on doing that, so they can roll seven deep, and then they add a, a guy Brian Branch that can come in and replace CJ Gardner Johnson and keep on trucking on the back end. Like, or you could go, you know, with a number two corner and potentially move on from um, James Bradbury yeah. rather than pay him what he's earned based off this yeah. year. Like, it's another spot where like the Eagles almost can't do any wrong because they've put themselves in this situation. Um, final pick number thirty-one in this scenario: Kansas City Chiefs. Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College.
1: Obviously, receivers in need didn't really work out with MVS or, or Juju or Sky Moore for that matter. I'm, At least I'm, individually,
3: I'm, but collectively it worked fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, because when the quarterback is yeah. number 15, then it, right. a lot of things work fine. And the, and the, and the, the top pass catchers a future Hall of Famer, then a lot mm-hmm. of things are going to work fine. Yep. But yeah, the, if they eventually need to, and I'll tell you what about the Chiefs in general, I was one of these people who my hot take, like I didn't actually believe it, but it was like my hot take, my bold prediction was that they that they weren't going to make the Super Bowl and they might not even make the playoffs. And it was it was it was based on the idea that you know they they had some struggles on offense during twenty twenty one, and a lot of that was like, hey, Travis Kelsey was not himself in twenty twenty one. He was himself in twenty twenty two. He he was back to being that type of player, but. Eventually, that, like maybe he's just the 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 anomaly of all anomalies. I mean, he is because he's a Hall of Famer, but maybe he's a, uh, even more than that, and he he can play at a high level well into his late thirties.
3: He's like the same age as Gronk. It makes no sense. Gronk's been retired twice, and it's, for a year the second time. Like he's been done. They, they're ten months difference.
1: Yeah, like so for him to keep playing at this level is great for them, obviously. He's going, to be, he's going to turn 34 in the middle of next season as a tight end. Mm. Um, 700 more yards than any other player in the league over age 31.
3: Does that make you think like future-proving tight end? I mean, I know two have already gone in this draft, yeah. but there's Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, yeah. maybe, maybe Kincaid. I just think
1: I'm okay with like receiving core in general, right? right? Like if, if, the, if the Kelsey decline ever happens for real, and again, I'm now of the opinion that it'll <laughs> never happen. <laughs> That then then obviously you need um, you you need you need uh, some sort of receiver and Zay Flaher's a good player super fast. That's separation. also like
3: yeah the the tight end thing feels like one where you would be smart to future proof that like you know
1: I will say they liked what they had out of um eighty three Noah Gray's had a had a mm-hmm. you know good year or whatever yeah he's not Travis Kelsey but
3: right All right so that's Mel Kiper's dra- mock draft the uh, the Godfather of The mock drafts, the man with the best uh, quaff in the business, even if Harry Long hasn't beat with the flat top. Um, We're going to finish this draft show. We've had guys down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl all week long. All week they've been doing the individual practices. I'm a big fan of sort of what you can glean from Senior Bowl practices, from the one-on-ones, all that kind of stuff. So Mike Renner. trev have been down and in mobile they've been doing daily shows on the pff youtube channel but we decided to uh, get them to check in and give us a little roundup over what they've seen so that'll be it for uh, myself and seth we're gonna pitch it right over to the guys in mobile and we will see you next week you won't but i will What's, what's happening to you? You're me? getting kicked out of the show. You're, oh, you're done. Man. Your usefulness has come to an end <laughs> and you are being sent packing for- Literally packing. I have my full, suitcase upstairs. The full jerry curl to be uh, back in man. the chair next week. Um, and then we'll be in uh, Phoenix for the Super Bowl. So thanks all for listening. Thank you, Seth, for showing up to do these shows. And uh, we'll hear what the guys think of Mobile.
2: What's up everybody? Trevor Sikema, Mike Brenner here with you in Mobile, Alabama to recap what we saw from the 2023 Senior Bowl. Mike, we're gonna give a couple of players that really caught our eye from this week. Who's the first one that you want to shout out? A guy who you really think won the week? It's gotta be Tank Dell, the Houston wide receiver. It's a good now. choice. 5'8", Good way to start.
0: 163. I get it. Small. But six-foot wingspan, which to me is more the more important number at wide receiver. That is Basically, how much you can which to adjust outside your frame and haul on a football. There's so few times are you asked to really go completely up in the air and high point a ball. And truthfully, when he does, he's got a pretty high vertical. He's going to test very well at the combine. But the bigger thing was here down in Mobile, his ability to get off press coverage, which I don't think anyone touched him truly at the line of scrimmage. Guys yeah, were up I didn't there, feel like they did. But they didn't touch him. And then his ability to just stop, sink, and cut on a dime. like That, that ability is under discuss when we talk about wide receivers. Everyone wants to say, oh, 40 times 4-3 this, 4-2 that. Well, how much can you go from that 4-3 to a full stop? Tank Dell can do it in the blink of an eye. That's the ability I want. So the size, I am, yeah, a concern. Maybe not gonna be a complete wide receiver, but in a role, it's gonna be deadly.
2: Well, for a player who has those kinds of reps, the size is why he's not going to be a first rounder, yes. right? But like that, that that, ability is still there. He's still going to win in similar ways in the NFL. Yeah, physicality might give him a little bit of a, a fuss here and there, but he's still going to have reps where he's able to show off that speed, no doubt about it. I'll stick with wide receiver for my first guy, Michael Wilson, a guy who we talked about all week, the Stanford wide receiver. Now, I don't know if a lot of people out there listening to this show know who Michael Wilson is. We didn't know a ton about him. That's because he just didn't play a lot of football over the last couple of years. Only 14 yeah. games over the last three seasons due to injury. But, man, when he was on the field in the Senior Bowl day one, man, it felt like, shoot, rep one. He was standing out in every single way. He understands how to win at the wide receiver position. He gets that releases totally matter, and he had a variety of different releases getting off the line of scrimmage. He knows how to box guys out when he's getting into his routes. He knows how to really set them up well, to flip the hips, to kind of deceive them of where he's going, just to put his foot in the ground and turn the opposite direction. I felt like no matter what route he was asked to run, he was able to really succeed and gain separation on all three phases of, 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 of a route. And so, he was somebody that I definitely wanted to shout out as a big-time winner along the wide receiver spot as well. Because there were a couple of guys that stood out, but I feel like those ones were the big winners from the group. Who's, who's next for you? I was going to say, to add to Michael Wilson, though, 216
0: pounds. He's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's no spring chicken in a class full of, we're talking about tank Dell in the 160s. Some of these top guys... Uh, all under 200 pounds, he has a little different element to his game. In this class in particular, yeah. that's gonna stand out. Yeah, no doubt. All right, next guy that I had, I'm gonna go to the let's go to the defensive line. I really liked what I saw from Carl Brooks, the bowling green defensive lineman. Now I don't think he was far and away the best defensive lineman here by any means, but I think he has a skill set that is covetable at the NFL level because he is six foot three, three hundred pounds, and the boy can move. I mean, he is nimble, very light in his feet, yeah. Very good bend. You saw him, I think, better than any of the other defensive tackles here. When he got to the edge of an offensive lineman, he could turn the corner back to the quarterback's drop spot. That's a key skill to have for any pass rusher because a lot of guys can, you know, win that first contact battle, but then once you get to the side of the offensive lineman. They don't have, they're a little stiff and they just get pushed past the pocket. I don't think that's going to be the case with Carl Brooks. Wasn't the case at Bowling Green. Wasn't the case here. Don't think it's going to be in the NFL.
2: Yeah, no, I, I like that shout out as well. I'm going to shout out Will McDonald, the um, edge rusher from Iowa State. This is a player who I thought was just a on, little on the lighter side. I wasn't sure how he was going to hold up against some bigger competition at the Senior Bowl. Man, the speed showed up. It continued to show up. I I did not give it the respect it deserved going into the week. And he was somebody who consistently was able to attack the outside shoulder of really good offensive tackles. But even more so than that, he was able to show that he could counter. He knew how to counter. He knew the pass rush moves to get back inside. He knew the timing of when to do it. This is a player who I have seen mocked at the end of certain first rounds. And I was like, man, I feel like that's a little rich for Will McDonald. But after this week... I could see maybe a team really going after a speed rusher in that spot. I think he,
0: if you wanted to, could have a case against head coach Matt Campbell for lost wages because he had him at four and five technique in the Iowa State defense, which mm-hmm. is an absolute crime. He should have been an edge rusher. He should have been a wide nine speed rushing off the edge. Let him stay would have up, been, yeah. put him in a scheme where he would have done that, he would have been a first rounder already. We'd be talking about him like that. But unfortunately, we never got to see that on from yeah. the
2: No, So I wanted to make sure that I gave him a shout out there. What's another guy that you like?
0: Ooh, another guy that I liked here. Uh, let's go to the offensive line. I'm going to the positions that I think are actually valuable here. Um, the one I really liked along the offensive line is Steve Avila, TCU. It's your boy guard. I, I, I he was off into your offensive line three. Heading into this draft class in the PFF draft board, I don't think he's going to rise because of Cyrus Torrance, the Florida guard, and John Michael Schmitz, the Minnesota center. Those were one and two in the PFF board. They had great weeks as well. They had good weeks. But I think the sort of gap that I saw after those first two to Avila is gone. Those, those three, in any order you want to put them, are the three best interior offensive linemen in this draft class. Um, I think all are going to be quality starters sooner rather than later. And I think Avila showed that. You saw him at left guard, center, right guard throughout the week of practices. Didn't look like a fish out of water at any of those. And then just the pure anchoring ability for a guard was as good as it got here.
2: I'll stick along the offensive line, but I'll go out to offensive tackle. It feels like it's been a while since we've seen him, but Dewan Jones had an unbelievable mm. day one, so much so that he didn't practice the other two days. And so he just turned so many heads. Look, first of all, he shows up six foot eight, 375 pounds. This is a mammoth human being playing on the right side of the offensive line. It just felt like no one could get by the, the the size and the and the length of him. It really nobody could get into his chest, nobody could get the better of him. And it just felt like he was totally dominant in so many different ways using his strength to his advantage. I was worried about the footwork a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Because he's just a bigger offensive tackle. I didn't think in his tape at Ohio State, he had the cleanest footwork. It didn't matter here, man. He he totally dominated so many different types of edge rushers that tried to challenge him. And one of my
0: favorite things from him that I saw wasn't even when he was strapped on the pads. It was today and yesterday when he wasn't practicing, when he was just off on the side, he was calling out the moves that he was going to expect from the defensive linemen. He was telling other offensive linemen what to do. He was basically a cheerleader there on the sideline for his guys. Tells me he's a student of the game. Like he actually is a guy who is going to be in the film room, going to be grinding because he saw things at a high level there. And that's why he has kind of and is able to get around the fact that he's not the most fleet of foot for the mm-hmm. offensive tackle position. But this guy knows ball, knows line play. That showed up again and again.
2: One last guy. Let's give one last shout out. Let's go for
0: One last guy. I'm going to go to. What about your boy Adeboire? I was going to go to the safety position. I want to okay. give some love to okay. Sidney Brown. All right the Illinois That's a good safety. call. I can't yeah. be mad at that. I can't be mad at he, that. I was high on him going into this. So it's hard to call him like a massive riser. I think he's somewhere in the day two range at the safety position, but his ability to go one on one out on the edge, I thought was, he looked like, he looked better flat out than some of the corners in those drills, despite, you know, not having that background. Um, was more box safety at Illinois, but he's got four three speed, Some of the best speed in this class. He is jacked to the gills. This guy spends some hours in the weight room is over jacked. the course of his Illinois he career is. and he's got a great build for the position he's short stout but he's got long arms and he affected a lot of passes over the course of the week so I think Sidney Brown
2: he made himself some money there are a lot of good defensive backs uh, Jamie Robinson from Florida State Tyreek Stevenson from Miami Darius Rush from South Carolina yeah. I think a lot of these guys really made some money for themselves um oh man who do I want my last guy to be gotta pick it out of Tamiwa right? Do it. There you go. I gotta pick him. He's the Northwestern defensive They're tackle. Sick. The build is so unique. Under he's he's right at six foot one, mm-hmm. but he's got the wingspan. The, what's the wingspan? What, what's six ten. Wingspan? Six ten. Six, ten. six, six foot ten. ten wingspan for a guy who is six foot one and he's playing on the interior offensive line, right? So he has that natural leverage of being smaller in height. He could sink those hips, get down into his stance, and really get that natural leverage when he fires off the line of scrimmage. And yet when he does and he gets his hands in the right place. The separation that he creates with that uh, with that extension and with that arm, like it's devastating for a lot of uh, of interior offensive linemen. And we like, saw that this week?
0: They look like Stretch Armstrong. You know, someone pulled his arms out just a little farther than they should have been.
2: And it's like <laughs> that's
0: a good, that's a good build to have.
2: Yeah, no, I, I he he had a lot of dominant reps just because of that, especially one that we saw on day three where he knocked Jared Patterson uh, almost clear off of the football field. Mm-hmm. So that almost he uh, was a
0: Feldman's freaks list guy too. So don't expect him to go to the combine and put on a show.
2: There we go. Those are a handful of guys that we were impressed with here from the 2023 Senior Bowl.